It only took a couple of decades, but colleges and universities are hiring more black and brown presidents to lead their institutions. Hello, and welcome to The Key, Inside Higher Ed's news and analysis podcast. I'm your host, Doug Letterman, editor and co-founder of Inside Higher Ed, and I'm really glad you've joined us. In today's episode, we dig into data that Inside Higher Ed published last month, showing a big upturn in the proportion of minority presidents and chancellors that colleges hired in the year and a half after the death of George Floyd, compared both to the 18 months that preceded it and to historical patterns. Better than one in three presidents hired from June 2020 through November 2021 were people of color. A full quarter were black, and the proportion of Latinx presidents who were appointed roughly doubled. To help understand the data, and more importantly, what they mean and how much they matter, we'll hear today from two researchers and analysts who bring distinctive perspectives to a discussion of diversity and equity in higher education leadership. Lorel Espinoza is Program Director at the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, where she focuses on grant making that drives evidence-based change around diversity, equity, and inclusion in STEM education. In a previous life, she oversaw research at the American Council on Education, where, among other things, she was responsible for its American College President Survey, the best formal source of data about campus leaders. Espinosa says she's heartened by the upturn and attributes it in part to institutions, boards, and search committees looking for different sets of skills and perspectives because of the demands of this moment. We're seeing the pathway to the presidency change. And you also cited this in the article. Uh, the, the pathway typically comes out of academic leadership. It typically comes out of certain disciplines. And what your data here shows is that there's been an uptick in presidents coming out of the rank of student affairs, what are the issues we're grappling with? Crisis management, student mental health and well-being, campus racial climate, student success, things that people who work in student affairs are very well equipped to address. Joining Laurel for today's conversation is Eddie Cole, Associate Professor of Higher Education and History at the University of California, Los Angeles. He offers some context based on his study of another moment when changes in American society led colleges to look for different types of leaders. If I were to look forward from now five years, I think a worst case scenario will be really similar to what we saw in the 1960s and that a lot of institutions quickly moved on uh, from that point of emphasis that they saw in the 60s and by the 1970s had sort of reverted back in so many ways to what they'd always done. And so worst case scenario, in my opinion, would be five years from now, we look eerily similar to how we looked 10 years ago. Before we hear the full conversation with Laurel Espinosa and Eddie Cole, a reminder to subscribe to The Key on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Laurel and Eddie, uh, welcome to The Key, and thanks for making the time to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, likewise. Happy to be here. Both of you provided analysis that helped me try to make meaning out of these data when I published them last month, and now you've maybe had a little additional time to marinate on them. When you think about the data now, what jumps out at you as most interesting, encouraging, worrying? What do you make of them? Laurel, maybe start with you. First of all, really pleased that you did this. So thank you. Thank you from the field. Um, this looks like good news. If this is a sign of what the presidency might look like in five or 10 years, then, then this is horrific. I mean, it, it took three decades to see 
The percentage of women double from 15 to 30% of presidencies, according to the most recent American Council on Education data, which of course is now about six years old. So thank you again from the field because those data are pretty old. And I remember when we worked on that at ACE, when I, when I was there leading research, we actually looked at the growth rate over time of presidents of color and and concluded that it wouldn't be until 2050 that we would see a presidency that was at parity with the population, uh, you know, back, back of the envelope math there, but it wasn't too encouraging. And, and for Latinx presidents, that would be 2060. So, you know, really, really promising. And I look forward to getting into the discussion about the things that also worry us. But I think on first blush, I was, I was pleased to see what you were finding. That's great. Uh, Eddie, what about you? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd echo you know what we just heard in the sense that uh, it is promising. Certainly, the numbers uh, jump out um, to you in sort of in quick passing. But something that stood out to me more specifically, as I think as a historian of higher education, uh, notably, is context. I think uh, you were spot on in looking at these numbers both 18 months before and 18 months after uh, the police killing of George Floyd in Minnesota. Um, because that's just a reminder of how higher education is so deeply shaped and inter interwoven with society at large. And that's something important for us to remember that as boards and other uh, governing entities select presidents uh, to lead institutions of higher education, those people who are on those boards are also um, connected to what's happening in society and aware that their decisions have a ripple effect far beyond the walls of the campus. And so that's what stood out to me most, just sort of how, um, you know, this one pivotal moment uh, for us in 2020 clearly has been a, such a sizable, um, noticeable moment in terms of who's been selected to lead colleges and universities. And so uh, it's one of those things that makes me think so much more about context, the role of higher education with society, both influencing society, but also being influenced by society. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's a good point. And, and I can see ways in which that could be both a good thing and a bad thing because it, the more it's shaped by what's happening at, in a given moment, it raises maybe more questions about how permanent a change it is versus being just reactive. And we can come back to that in a minute, but maybe Eddie, talk a little bit more about how what we've seen in the past that this is either similar to or, or uh, reminiscent of, uh, or and, and ways maybe that it's different from what you've studied, uh, the era you studied. I spent a lot of time studying the mid 20th century, so the 1940s through the 1960s and the college presidency, more particularly in the college presidency and the black freedom movement. So there are a lot of parallels between uh, what we saw in 2020 and the broader questions around uh, you know, racial equality in the United States, but also the same questions were being raised in the 1960s in the U.S. as well um, in very, very similar ways. And we saw some parallels in terms of what um, universities were looking for in their college leaders. And so one thing that uh, stands out to me when I look at the report um, and the numbers that you've really so beautifully laid out for readers is that in the 1960s, it wasn't necessarily a dramatic shift in the racial demographics of college presidents. But there was a notable shift in sort of the interest and skill set of college presidents in engaging race relations in the 1960s. And so a lot of universities, uh, you know, predominantly white institutions, historically white institutions in the 1960s, started hiring presidents 
who had some sense or some involvement with working on um, issues that reach out beyond white students on campus. Um, and so we see a lot of that happens, especially after 1963, when you see um, some of the most notable moments in the civil rights movement, some of the most notable racial, racial violent moments in the civil rights movement, from the water hoses and police dogs in Birmingham, Alabama, to bombings and so forth, President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy of the United States actually reaches out to colleges and universities and asks them uh, to help come up with solutions, special programs that would address some of the racial ills in society. And so you saw a lot of hiring um, at the senior level administrators being people with skill sets that were at the time uh, assumed to be very helpful to lead universities into this new era to where student bodies started looking different on a lot of campuses. And so all of a sudden they needed to have academic leaders who looked or at least knew how to engage across differences on college campuses. So that's an important connection to sort of see this, this social moment historically uh, related to how we think makes sense of our current moment. Obviously, if, if there had been a push to try to uh, increase the hiring of minority or black presidents back then, probably wouldn't have had a lot of luck because of some of the pool issues that we, we're still talking about a little bit. But obviously, one of the uh, heartening things, I think, is that there has been a lot of work on developing, a, broadening the pool of potential leaders. And, and Laurel, I guess coming, coming back to you, uh, given your history studying this kind of stuff at ACE, what do you consider to be the most significant factors that are enabling this moment? Eddie's just talked about the context, which uh, obviously matters a lot, but what else has contributed to making it possible for there to be numbers like this starting to show up? I think it's two things. One thing you touched on, which is that there's been a, a tremendous amount of effort to develop future leaders in professional associations and professional societies. And we could name a number of those programs that are seeking to do just that in various contexts within higher education. There's been a huge push, as we know, for the next, uh, the next uh, tranche of leadership in two-year institutions where we're seeing some of the, the largest numbers of retirement and really a crisis of leadership in some of those settings. So that's one thing. We, we've been preparing leaders, really focused on preparing leaders for, for quite a while. And I think that's, that's um, showing up here. Another thing is that we're seeing the pathway to the presidency change. And you also cited this in the article, uh, the, the pathway typically comes out of academic leadership. It typically comes out of certain disciplines. And what your data here shows is that there's been an uptick in presidents coming out of the rank of student affairs. Uh, you know, by the way, that student affairs has the most diverse leadership in higher education when we look at the professions. We saw that in our uh, race and ethnicity in higher education study, also at ACE, when we looked at where diversity is in the senior most leadership positions. So if they're coming out of of student affairs, it's likely that you will see a more diverse pool. But I, I love what Eddie said about the context of today. What are the issues we're grappling with? Crisis management, student mental health and well-being, campus racial climate, student success, things that people who work in student affairs are very well equipped to address. So, you know, when you think about the, the boards, who are hiring these presidents and thinking, what are the competencies that we want out of a president today, like Eddie said, in this moment? Uh, that makes a lot of sense that you're going to see those people show up. And they'll still do the other things, of course, financial management, fundraising, managing uh, you know, faculty relations. 
um, all the things that we know presidents do in their day to day. Uh, but this is a different moment for the presidency. And, and I think it's showing up. Uh, Eddie, I, w- I wanted to come back to you about uh, exactly that point, which is you talked about how in the 60s uh, we, we saw institutions think a little differently about the kind of skill set they wanted, even if uh, they weren't ready to or weren't able to uh, radically change the composition of who the people were. Eddie, what are some of the other issues that you see being raised if these data bear out and college and universities are hiring greater proportions of Black and other historically underrepresented people as president? You know, one thing that uh, stands out to me when I think about this article uh, that you've written is that also the, it's, it's important for institutions to give these leaders the autonomy to create change. Um, I think that's something that when I think about sort of the historical trajectory of the presidency and as we move into our current moment, it's going to be essential for boards to give these leaders the opportunity to actually lead and create change and even go through the, the, the bumps in the road that may, come, that may come along with creating said change, if that's the kind of change that institutions truly want. Uh, because otherwise, uh, we simply have the representation, right? Uh, sort of we get the diversity, sort of the amplified representation, but we're far short on what people, you know, when we want to move into questions around actual racial equity on campuses. And that's going to be, you know, that's a challenge for any leader, right? Can the leader come in and take the time necessary to make observations of the campus, their organization that they're leading to actually get other leaders in place on campus that they feel can join them on board toward where they want to go and then have the actual support of the board uh, to create those changes. And I think that is what's essential when we think about this current moment. It's not just simply hiring uh, more presidents of color, more women across uh, college campuses, but also giving them the autonomy to truly create the campus environment that boards um, have hired them to create, and that really campuses at wide and society at large has demanded of universities, uh, especially since uh, the killing of George Floyd. So I want to I want to come back to that in a minute because I think um, I quoted you in the story raising a pretty significant note of caution about uh, make drawing too much heart and, and and drawing too many conclusions about what these numbers mean until we see how lasting these changes are to see that whether it's more than a token moment. So before we get to that, though, I want to, Laurel, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the issues you raised when we spoke about where these hirings are taking place. So there's been some history um, of most of, much of the opportunity for minority presidents and for underrepresented presidents, including probably women, uh, early, maybe a little earlier to be at institutions that were either struggling or not necessarily our most visible institutions, a lot more at community colleges than in other sectors typically. Do you sense, based on what we know and then sort of the imperfect data that, that I've pulled together, but maybe what you're else you're seeing in the, on the landscape, do you have a sense that we're seeing more presidents hired across the, the spectrum and across the institution type? Yeah, well, your, your data says yes. Yes, we are seeing that. You're right, that when you looked at diversity, again, representation in the presidency, it was often uh, more diverse at the two-year sector, the less selective sectors. 
certainly in minority-serving institutions, especially in HBCUs. So when we when we first had a conversation about this data, of course, you know, my mind is thinking this looks great in the aggregate. What does this look like when you drill down? And I was specifically interested in numbers for doctoral granting institutions, which have long been the whitest led institutions of all, right? So, I mean, again, looking at the data, we know the last time that we we looked at the presidency in these institutions, 82% of the presidencies were white in these institutions. Um, But your data is saying something very different. Your data is saying that 74% of the appointments in uh, the years that you tracked uh, at doctoral granting universities were white. So this looks, this looks promising again. I mean, I think, yeah, we've got to see. Time will tell. What will the retention look like? We also know the presidency turns over. I mean, the, you know, the average tenure of a president is, I think it's seven, five to seven years, something like that. I mean, these are, these are jobs that turn over. So this, this is a moment. This is, looks like a good moment, but what's it going to look like moving ahead? It's a good time to shift to that set of that set of questions around how should we be judging or how 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 should we be judging going forward whether this apparent upturn is real, is is lasting. Obviously, there's probably to some extent it does it continue? Do, do we go past the the couple of years that I looked at? Does do we see the numbers and the ratios continue to to be different from how they've been historically? And then there is a set of questions around the extent to which these people being hired now succeed, thrive as much as uh, their peers. And I, I, I would put an emphasis on what you just said. I think we're seeing much more generally that being a president of a college or university, I do think there are more ways where you can run aground now than used to be the case. And it'll be interesting to see whether this set of presidents have the kind of support that enables them to at least have a comparable length of service uh, and and success rate as others. So Eddie, I guess, as you think about it, what are some of the things that you're looking to, to judge whether these presidents get the support they need? What are you going to be looking for? No, I think uh, you were hinting at, at it in your initial comment there. I th- it's important that we think about how long they get a chance to stay in their, in their tenure as a presidency. Do they reach the average time frame of five to seven years? Or does something come up to where their presidency is fairly short, three to four years, right? Shorter than already short uh, tenure in terms of how long leaders stay in these positions. Because I think part of um, sort of measuring uh, what's effective and how they can you know, sort of bring about change is do they have the sort of average length of time to even do so? An analogy that really captures this that's related to higher education is you think about sort of uh, coaches in major sports on many of these campuses, right? Especially revenue generating sports like men's or women's basketball or football of all things, right? And does the coach have the opportunity to sort of go through the process of recruiting, hiring a staff and actually build a winning program? Or do you sort of have a sort of a, a short temper and say, we're not winning fast enough? And I think the same analogy is applicable to college presidents in the sense that three, four years for the kind of changes that society is demanding of us, it's probably not going to be long enough for a president to do so, to create those changes. But if a president has, you know, sort of the five to seven year time frame, which is average or longer, I think you can sort of step back and say, okay, here's a presidency that we can take a full snapshot of 
and then we can assess more accurately what they were able to accomplish. So that's one thing that would stand out to me. And then I think another question about some of these presidents who have been hired into positions is what kind of um, situation they're coming into, right? I think it's one thing to sort of celebrate more representation and leadership, but it's also, we gotta be honest about sort of what campus crises or scandals have been happening at a particular university. And then are they hiring their first minoritized uh, identity um, president on campus? And that's important to remember as well, because that also shapes where the starting point of that presidency is for someone. Are they sort of trying to clean up and recover um, what a previous administration had and then start what they're trying to do? Or do they get to come in on up and up? That coach analogy is one that I used uh, in thinking about the hiring of these folks, because it used to be back when in the couple decades ago when I was covering college sports uh, pretty closely, that pretty much the only time you would see a black coach get hired in football or men's basketball was when the team went two and two and 11 the previous year. And the place, the, the leaders either said, ah, what, what the heck, we might as well try this. It can't hurt. Only being hired into places that were, had been struggling and that may have been close to impossible to succeed in. Um, and, and I think that's where some of the stuff Laurel was talking about, where we're seeing minority presidents hired at places like Rice and uh, Colorado College and other places that are sort of highly selective and pretty successful by a lot of ways we deem those institutions to be, seems to be breaking that pattern a little bit. Laurel, what's your sense of how we're going to be able to judge what we should be looking at to be judging the success of these presidents and, and whether they're, we get to true equity as opposed to just uh, increased representation? Time will tell. I think time is, is the ultimate uh, revealer here in terms of, of success because it will tell us about retention. It will tell us about uh, you know, cont- a continued trend, hopefully, like this trend that you've picked up. Um, it's going to tell us about the kind of change that Eddie's talking about, which does take time. At Sloan, we're thinking a lot about systemic change. I mean, this is a conversation in higher education that has been a long time coming, that you can't make true change without a systems level approach. And one part of that approach, one of many parts, is leadership. You absolutely cannot reach racial equity if you don't have a leadership that looks like the student population, which is by now well over half students of color. It's just not possible, right? And you can go to any sector of society and raise this issue and people will agree with you. I mean, why are we having this conversation, of course, at the NFL or, you know, in in Fortune 500? And I mean, we've been saying for a long time, us and other sectors of society, uh, leadership matters and representation matters. Like Eddie said, it's and like you you alluded to a moment ago, not only about representation, it's about seeing these individuals thrive. And I'm really glad that we've talked about that because this is a hard job. It's getting harder. And any one person is not going to walk in this door knowing how to do everything. You know, just as we said, the student affairs folks walk in having a better handle on, on some of the student issues like mental health or student support systems, you know, in that way, they're not going to have a strong track record in the, in some of the more academic environments or working with faculty in in an academic setting, the way that a provost does, you know, no matter what, we have to take more seriously professional development for these folks. Higher education has done 
a really poor job of, of providing professional development for its own. Ironically, we are an education, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're educators, but we don't educate ourselves very well. So that, that has to be something that, that these boards and the, the presidents themselves take really, really seriously as their own development. I wanted to ask both of you how you think about the agendas for this increasingly diverse group of candidates. And, and it's probably dangerous to try and think about them as a group because they're all individuals. But if we're seeing more presidents hired who come from backgrounds that are different from what we've seen before, and I, and I talked about this a little bit with some of the presidents I spoke to who were n- new in these roles about whether they were going to be expected to take up issues related to race and equity more so than white presidents would, whether that's a, an opportunity for them, a burden for them. Do you think that this group of presidents is likely to come in with agendas that are meaningfully different from a comparable group of white presidents either would do or has historically done. I've got a lot of thoughts about that. I'm studying the presidency again, historically over uh, multiple decades. And frankly, I don't think, you know, a, a president who is sort of what we would call an underrepresented, uh, underrepresented background is going to have an agenda dramatically different than previous presidents. I actually don't think that's the case. And I'm actually okay with that because history suggests that simply them doing what they do already as an academic leader, they just bring a different perspective to those conversations, right? When you think about sort of the list of racial incidents on college campuses, they happen within sort of the the natural progression of what happens on campus every day. Something was said in a faculty meeting, something happened in a classroom, some student did something at a party or this happened at a sporting event. It's just a matter of not that you have to have a different agenda to say, here's how we're going to have meaningful engagement during sporting events. It's a matter of having leaders on campus that understand how to engage those issues differently. And honestly, maybe from a personal perspective, that's all that a college president from these new backgrounds, or if you say, and I like using new backgrounds because historically this hasn't been the case. That's all we need these presidents to do is sort of be themselves within their usual academic skill set. So I don't expect to see new agendas that directly targeting towards sort of racial equity on campus or do this or do that. It's a matter of the same agendas that we've always said. Campuses leaders have always been okay saying we have to have better representation in the faculty we hire. We have to do better in who we recruit on campus. They haven't been effective at it, but that's been an ongoing agenda. And I would think that, say, a Black college president would come in and say, I've got a different perspective, perhaps, potentially, on how to approach recruiting more faculty and recruiting more students and so forth. Laurel, how do you, how do you come at that? I'm just thinking a lot about fit. If, if you are a, a Black or, or Latinx or Indigenous or uh, any other president of color who does want to have that kind of change, who does want to come in with that agenda, then you better make sure that your institution is ready for it the way that that Eddie mentioned earlier. And the, the search firm should also be really attuned to this and not set people up for failure because their agendas don't match what the institution is seeking or you know what the board is seeking. 
And, and so fit is so important. I mean, I, just like anything, just like any relationship, right? Or any job, fit is so important. This is really on both parties that, uh, you know, prospective presidents come in and ask the right questions and have a deep understanding of how they fit and that the boards, you know, the, hire, the people hiring and the search firms also get to that. Because, yeah, we don't, we certainly don't want to see uh, anyone set up for failure in this regard. From the two of your perspectives, what are the best and worst case scenarios here? Let's say we convene back here in three or five years. What is the upside of what we might see with these leaders in their colleges? And what would be most worrying if it were to unfold in a particular way? Eddie, uh, do you have thoughts on that? I would, again, lean on history because I think part of this is understanding the trend of higher education over time. And we saw this moment uh, before, as I mentioned earlier, in the mid-1960s to where there was an emphasis on who was leading institutions and how they could engage these issues. And so for me, if I were to look forward from now five years, I think a worst case scenario will be really similar to what we saw in the 1960s and that a lot of institutions quickly moved on uh, from that point of emphasis that they saw in the 60s and by the 1970s had sort of reverted back in so many ways to what they'd always done. And so worst case scenario, in my opinion, would be five years from now, we look eerily similar to how we looked 10 years ago, right? Uh, that the numbers shift and leadership is just about the same. That's sort of a worst case scenario. But if I were to be optimistic in this conversation and looking forward, I would just hope to see the trend continue. Um, and so we see percentages increase the way uh, Loretta wisely said that if we can get the leadership to start reflecting the student bodies uh, or even more so reflecting society at large, I mean, that in a lot of ways is sort of the university uh, dream come true across all levels of higher education from the two-year colleges and four-year institutions uh, to have representation that truly does represent what the student body looks like. I think Eddie said it really well. Those were precisely uh, what I was thinking in terms of worst and best. I, I'll say on the worst side, it would be even more harmful if there was a takeaway from the field that, well, we tried this and it didn't work or we weren't ready. So let's just keep keep our finger on the on the pause button that people who are are not interested in seeing diversity at the top, use this as an example of, of failure and, and it's just not worth it to take that risk, et cetera. So that, that would even, you know, be like insult to injury in that case. But yes, best case would be that, that these trends keep going the way that you have found them and that we see change agents at the top, that we start to see campuses that not only have leadership that reflects our student bodies, but are taking the issue of racial equity and all forms of other equity very seriously, precisely because we have diverse perspectives at the top, as, as Eddie said, that, that would be um, truly amazing. Thanks to Eddie Cole of UCLA and Laurel Espinosa of the Sloan Foundation for their perspective and insights on my little research project on what appears to be increased diversity among college presidents. It'll be a while before we know whether this emergent trend lasts how those hired during this stretch fare, and what they'll be able to accomplish. We at Inside Higher Ed and The Key will keep an eye on this as we try to do with all the important issues in higher education. If you have topics you think we should be exploring, please reach out to me on our website or through social media to put a bug in my ear. Or you might run into me at a conference as I'm about to get back out on the road again. 
you'll be at the American Council on Education Conference in San Diego, March 5th to 7th, or South by Southwest EDU in Austin, March 7th to 9th, don't hesitate to reach out. Until then, stay well and stay safe.